makers of fine American watches for over 80 years presents its 7th annual Queen to America. Two hours of stars throughout the United States. Was in servicemen overseas radio and shortwave round the world. In the next two hours, the Elgin Watch Company and the Elgin Jewelers bring you Don Amici, Lawrence Melchior, Al Jolson, Jack Kirkwood, Joe Stafford, Danny Thomas, Red Engel, Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd, Sandra Bacoba, Cass Daly, Ozzie and Harriet, and with the Elgin Orchestra and Chorus under the direction of Robert Armbruster. And as a special feature of this gala holiday program, the Elgin Watch is proud to present for the first Henry Van Dyke's magnificent Christmas story, The Other Wise Man. I'm Ken Carpenter, and here's your host for the full two hours, Don Amici. Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. At this season of the year, when smiles are brighter and hearts are so much bigger, it's become a holiday custom to renew old friendships with gifts that carry across the miles. Hours of Stars has a greeting, too. A greeting from the Elgin Watch Company and the Elgin Jewelers to all the old friends who have made it a custom for the past seven years to join us every Thanksgiving and Christmas Day to celebrate the holiday season in the company of Hollywood's brightest stars. And here to see on this glorious Christmas Day is a sling eyes and beaming countenance bear much more than a passing resemblance to St. Nick himself. The distinguished star of the Metropolitan Opera and Motion Pictures, Lawrence Melchior. singing at the Metropolitan Opera, and next week you'll be off to South Africa on a hunting trip. Oh, it's not half as remarkable as that other Scandinavian... That other Scandinavian, Lawrence? Ace Jolson. <laughs> Lawrence, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Mr. Jolson. Uh, you know, Ace, we meet, I expect to see a much older man. <laughs> Lawrence, you marry Parks. A lot of people made that same mistake, you know. Well, Al, you couldn't look any younger than you do in Look Magazine's picture in the current issue of all the stars here today on the Elgin Show. Of course, you uh, could stand a little more hair. Don, the day, the day Look uh, took that very unusual picture, I shaved a little too high. Can you imagine all those stars in one picture? Yes, Look estimated they represented $4 million in talent. 
$4 million in talent that Elgin gives to the radio listener as its Christmas gift. Oh, that's wonderful, Don. Think they'd rather have the money? <laughs> you know, uh, this is the first time I've been in look in such a group picture. Lawrence, any picture of you is a group picture. <laughs> hey, sir. That's not true. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's right, Al. How much have you lost, Lawrence? I don't know. They haven't finished surveying yet. <laughs> surveying, huh? Well, you take care of your... Oh, I am. Someday I think like Al Jolson. I have been rehearsing. I walk in on my... For one of your smiles to my name. <laughs> What what kind of mammies do they have in Scandinavia? Oh, you have no Scandinavian smokers brots. <laughs> you know, Al, Al, I, I can see it right now. Lawrence Melchior on the hit parade singing, I'm going to get you on a slow boat to Copenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I can see Lawrence Blake singing the sequel to Tannhauser. Limburger. <laughs> I think we you are. So, Lawrence, if you'll make yourself comfortable until you're ready for a typical Melchior encore, and Al... Don't say it, Don. I'm way ahead of you. Go ahead. ...of the world. I'm rolling along. Rolling along. And I'm the blues of the world. I'm singing a song. Singing a song. Glory, hallelujah, just hold the fire, son. Hey, Pa, get ready to call. Just like Humpty Dumpty, going to fall. And I'm sitting on top of it. I'm rolling along, rolling along. Don't win. I'm getting my share. Only got one suit. That's all I can wear. A bundle of money. Don't make me feel gay. My sweet little honey is making me sad. Sitting on top of I'm rolling up, rolling along. And I'm quitting the blues of the world. I'm singing a song, singing a song. Glory, hallelujah, just hold the parson, ready to call. Just like Humpty Dumpty, I'm going to fall. And I'm sitting on top, top of the world, along, rolling along. Well, thank you, Don. You, you know, I'm proud to be here today. Really, I am. Because, you know, I still have that Elgin watch I had when I was a little boy. Oh, now, Al, Al, let's face it. When you were a little boy, there were no watches. Females <laughs> then. Well, well, then, I still got the sundial. You mean the Elgin one? Yeah, the smog, of course. <laughs> but, Don Bells, I want to tell you about the, the wonderful Christmas gifts I got this year. Well, I'm all ears, Al. You're all teeth, too. <laughs> That was my own gag. But anyway... <laughs> Don, honestly, you should have seen what Eddie Cantor sent me. A money clip. Well, that was useful. Yeah, but up till now, I've been using bookends, you know. <laughs> and he's telling the truth, yeah. too. <laughs> Don, I really appreciate everything I got from Santa Claus. Or I can say for some people. Yeah, why is that, Al? Well, they've been spoiled by the radio, Don. Who wants this midnight for a giveaway program? Well, Al, I'm, I'm glad to see you've got the spirit of Christmas. Yes, Don, and Santa must have thought so, too. Because last night, I'd no sooner got in bed, 
plugged in my electric nightshirt. Uh, <laughs> I uh, set the control on medium well. <laughs> when I got a phone call from Santa Claus calling me to the North Pole. Oh, no, Al, you didn't. Yes, sir. So I tuned out to the propellers on my pinwheel beanie and was off. <laughs> When I landed at the North Pole, that's the only pole people believe in anymore, I, uh, I went right to Santa's, uh, too late. I, uh, I just tell him. Well, anyway, I went right to Santa's prefab igloo and the bell. Mr. Jolson, come in. Why, it's Mrs. Santa Claus. To think that I would actually see you in person, Mr. Jolson. You know, I always enjoyed you as a little girl. You got the wrong man. Boy. So you so well. Must I call you Mr. Jolson? Can you Larry? You can call me anything as long as not Oscar Levant. But, uh, look, tell me, where is Santa? Right this way, Mr. Jolson. He's working in his laboratory with his assistant, Nanook of the North. Oh, I'd like to get my hand on that kid that ordered uranium bubblegum. Santa Claus, remember me? It's Jolie. You sent for me. Why, of course. Merry Christmas, Al. Merry Christmas. Al, I'd like you to meet my assistant here, Nanook of the North. Nanook, this is Al Jolson. Hello, Nanook. Ugh. <laughs> Nanrofam. Oh, I see. <laughs> but, Al, the reason I got you up here is to go along with me on my run this year. Mm-hmm. I need cheering up. This business of going down chimneys is ruining my health. Christmas at one house, I got badly injured. Didn't it light burning in the window? These people left a light burning. <laughs> well, all I can say is, Santa, chin up. I don't go down, chin up. <laughs> and what have I got to look forward to after it's all over? Coming back to the North Pole. Why, I've been living among the whales so long, I'm beginning to look like them. Yeah, you do look a bit blubbery. <laughs> but you always have your wife and the nook and your reindeer, Santa. My reindeer. Well, ever since Disney sent them that offer from... They've gone Hollywood. Yeah? They don't want to be called Dancer, Prancer, and Blitzen anymore. What do they want to be called? The body, the legs, and the tail. <laughs> but they're waiting outside for us, Al. Let's go. Hop in the sleigh, Al. I'm in. And here we go. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Santa. Where'd you ever learn to say Merry Christmas like that? No, don't blab it around, Al, but I studied diction under Edmund Gwen. Say, we're climbing fast. Yep, we're up to 30,000 feet. Watch where you're driving, Santa. You almost messed up the O in Honest John. <laughs> Look down below us, Al. That's Washy. I can give him. Drive on, Santa. Harry already has got his present. <laughs> Wait a minute, Santa. Is not Hollywood down there? That's right, Al. How'd you recognize him? Oh, that's easy, Santa. Hollywood's a small town entirely surrounded by Luella Parsons. <laughs> I'll cruise at a hundred feet, Al, when I caught the presents down the window. Okay, uh, Santa, shoot. Right, shoot. Artie Shaw. 
portable justice of the peace. Errol Flynn. With built-in bail bond. <laughs> Rita Hayworth. Bowling ball. She's got the alley. I had a little something for Bob Hope, but he's over in Germany tonight, entertaining servicemen with Irving Berlin. Yeah, that's the only Berlin the Russians aren't trying to get their hands on. But Santa, suppose uh, suppose they got their hands on Hope. Imagine how everyone would feel. Oh, I don't know. Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> Say, Santa, there's my house down there. Would you mind dropping me off? Okay, we're coming in for a landing, Al. Uh, which... Well, you see that one down there on the park? Yeah. And that one down there on the intersection? Yeah. Well, mine's the one down on one. Well, here you are. Before you go, I want to give you... Well, I'd like to give you something that you haven't got. Well, let's see now. You're rich, family, fame, a good job, good health. You know, Al, it'd be simpler if you gave me something. Come on. Put some money in the pot, boy. <laughs> I'd be glad to, Sandy, and take it from me, never change your act. The world needs you and loves you, just as you are. How do you feel now? Well, hit me with a hot note and watch me back. I'm going on down, riding high. No, no one can stop Santa Claus from going to town. I'm wearing my boots. He's got them laced high. Toys in my bag. What Santa Claus is going to town. Though loved ones may be distant, they're with you in your heart. Get hep, hang up those stockings. You've got to do your part. A zoot for the hall. A reach for the door. Three in the parlor. Kids on the floor. Santa Claus is going to town. You just heard of time and its flight. The electrical impulse that produced that steady beep, beep, beep had its origin in the observatory of the Elgin at Elgin, Illinois. Time is computed from odd stars, time accurate to hundreds of a second. Instruments are controlled by it. And it's constantly heard by Elgin craftsmen while they're testing and adjusting Elgin watches. That's how the tiny hands that circle every Elgin watch become tellers of time from the star. Elgin is the only watch company in the world with its own observatory, regularly observing, recording, and broadcasting time from the stars. This Elgin star time is also the official time of the United Airlines. Beautiful Elgin watches. Their styling, acclaimed, best-dressed men and women. Their accuracy, time to the stars. And now to this famed star-timed accuracy, Elgin's exclusive DuraPower mainspring adds a permanency of timekeeping performance never before possible in any watch. For this miracle mainspring holds its original watch-running power indefinitely. This Elgin DuraPower mainspring actually eliminates 99 troubles due to steel mainspring failures. And Elgin has it. A gift of cash this Christmas or a gift certificate from your jewelers, turn it into an Elgin watch. Vacations coming up after Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries. Make someone you love happier with a beautiful star-timed Lord or Lady Elgin or Elgin Deluxe Watch. (laughs) 
on this day when the red-ribboned holly wreath of the eggnog bowl in the living room and the lighted Christmas tree in the window, so many homes bids friends and neighbors welcome. Me and the old crowd to welcome to two hours of stars for the first time, the lovable young entertainer who has won his way into the hearts of so many people, Danny Thomas. Thank you very much, Don. It was very nice. And to show my appreciation to the Elgin Watch Company and the Elgin Jewelers for asking me here. From now on, every Christmas, I'm going to buy my friend... Elgin Watches? What did you expect? You know, I just asked. That's all. But really, Don, it's a privilege to be here. Yes, Danny, and you've certainly come a long way since we last worked together. You're making movies at MGM. You're making records. You're on the air. You're working in nightclubs. You're working in vaudeville. Wait a minute, you... wait a minute. If I'm that busy, what am I doing here? I'm losing money. <laughs> well, Danny, now that you are do. Well, Don, I'd uh, I'd like to sing a little song. I said I'd like I'd like to be home in bed. A little song. <laughs> a little song. Little money and how come the wrong people have it? be a bad day to start a revolution, so I don't think I will. A lot of people ask me, Don, a lot of people say you work in nightclubs, work in, uh, in pictures. Why don't you take some time off? You're killing yourself. That's a very... And I have a very good answer. You see, I need the money. <laughs> I really do. I live in Beverly Hills, California. Now, that means nothing to a lot of people around the good old USA. But people around here know what I'm doing. When I say when you live in Beverly, you gotta be loaded. <laughs> you know the old saying, you can't take it with you? The hills, they'll give you odds. <laughs> and you know, we all make the same mistake trying to keep up with our neighbors. What I keep with who are my neighbors? The Joneses? I wish they were the Joneses. No, I live next like Daryl Abzanek, Lord and Lady Ashley. Atwater Kent, people who had it before it was printed. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. I mean, I gotta keep up with nothing, but don't I'm a Johnny come too lately when it comes to keeping your money. I mean, you can count the years back on one in a little spot in Chicago making five. <laughs> Native Californians. Anyhow. <laughs> No, seriously, I, these people, my immediate neighbor, Atwater Kent, that's my immediate neighbor, his fence rubs up against my grass. His house is eight miles up the road, but the fence and the grass are right together. This man last year lost a million dollars. I got up the next day and said, I seem to have misplaced something. He wasn't even sure what it was. Me, I lose a buck. I'm on my hands and knees all night looking. You ought to see his house. The first time I went to visit him, I was ashamed to go in. I forgot my library card. <laughs> I want to tell you, I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest about this thing. I got a small little lot of feet or so. I got one gardener comes once a week, kicks the shrubs a little bit. <laughs> he turns on the hose and hands it to me. This has a brigade of gardeners. He has two gardeners with nothing all day but water the carnation. 
Two gardeners who do nothing all day but water the, the azaleas? He has two gardeners who do nothing all day but water each other. I never saw that. <laughs> go, go keep up with people like that. They want to know why I'm working so hard, why I'm trying to earn money. I live in that village. What do you I live in Beverly Hills to put up a front. My manager's front. So I put up a front. With me, it's all front. That's all. Just <laughs> brutal, and I don't belong in Beverly Hills. I'm not only a misfit, but social. Where do I fit in with Beverly Hills people? I was raised on the north side of Toledo, Ohio. I want to tell you something. Any kid on our street with teeth was a sissy. That's all I can say. <laughs> I tell you, I, I swear I mean it. When a kid raised his hand in our school, the rumor had a gun in his back. <laughs> Teachers used to play hooky in our school. That's all I can say. Those kids in Beverly Hills are so cultured. No, they are. They, they play uh, every morning. It's tennis, anyone? Tennis? And badminton, badminton, badminton. <laughs> play it. I can't even say it. Much, much. What do you think we used to do for fun in Toledo? We'd stand on the street corner and hit people over the head with a shway they'd fall. <laughs> I want to tell you, I really have money. That, and, and whatever we want, parents, please come. We need the money. <laughs> I'm proud of my little house that I have here in the hills. It's nice. It's nice. With the culmination of a childhood dream and of uh, 15 slaving like a dog. And I'm happy about it. Well, it costs a couple of thousand dollars. My neighbors got houses. They spend two, three hundred thousand dollars for a home. When they get all finished, they board it up and go to Palm Springs. <laughs> That's where the friend Palm Springs. I keep saying, Jake, what do you mean, Palm Springs? You said, excuse me, I was thinking Palm Beach. <laughs> for places to drop the money around here. They go into Anita. Have you been there? To the track, you know? They're off with my money. Come back. Or they go to Del Mar. Del Mar, have you been there on the Pacific shore where the turf meets the surf? If I went out with Crosby one time, nice place, with picked up all right. For all of the day with connection. You with connections, and I finally got a room facing the ocean, the Atlantic. <laughs> it's a good thing my brother lives with us in Beverly Hills. He's unemployed. If it wasn't for that check, we'd all starve to death. <laughs> but don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I'm very happy about the whole thing. I'm trying to build under the name of Thomas. Or pile up a lot of wealth. I'm just very happy to be eating because it's in this country under this form of government. That's all I want. But the one thing I want to say... No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I say that. I'm a fellow that believes you can't take it with you. No, I believe that. Read it in books. I believe it. But there are people who don't, and that's what's the matter. I work for a fellow in Chicago who owns nine nightclubs, six hotels, and a Chinese restaurant. He's got more money than Carter's got, and you know what he does? He walks around nervous... And, and, and all of them drunk all day long. He's a sick man. And, and I keep saying, Joe, you're killing yourself. What are you trying to prove? You? And he says, what? He gets startled when I tell him that. He says, if I can't take it with me, I won't go. <laughs> a will. I read a will some time ago. I think it was in Reader's Digest where I get most of my material. 
And to me, this will was as liberating a document as the proclamation. It freed me inside. And I hope it does this here in this visible audience and also the audience around the country. The will, well, the scene took place in a lawyer's office. The vultures, the relatives were gathered around, <laughs> waiting to see how they made out in the loot department. And the lawyer broke open the seal, and with much solemnity, he read this will. Being of sound mind, I spent all my money when I was alive. <laughs> I guess you could stand here for three days, but we don't have that kind of time. Just talking about the dear old loot. But I can best express my views on money with this song that you'll soon be hearing if you happen to purchase an MGM album of mine. And it's a song Harry Seelan and Carmen Dragon, and with Brother Arm Brewster and my company is Walter Pop at the piano. This is the way it's going to sound. <laughs> I've studied life and I've been taught that wealth is disillusion. And after lots of careful thought, I've come to this conclusion. That anyone with a million dollars can be a millionaire. But a poor man can be poor. <laughs> Money doesn't mean a thing to a person's mental state. For a million is as happy as a man who has eight. Anyone wish to argue this point? <laughs> you know, anyone with a lot of dough can be a wealthy man, but a be poor when he is broke. Can money buy you romance as life unfolds its span? Or the richness of a friendship that a man has for a man? Or the loyalty of loved ones? You bet your life it can, because the best thing in life costs dough. <clears throat> Special arrangement for you. But you know, wealth is unimportant. Have it, some do not. But what has a rich man got that a poor man hasn't got? <laughs> Fancy cars and wild stock bars and stocks and jewels and swimming pools and biggest states of private. Too fast. Too fast. Marble tubs and daily rubs and railroad sites. Too fast. Yes. Daily rubs and railroad sites are so much too fast. Wait for me. Hey. Hey. How did the Hungarians get into this all of a sudden? You ought to know better than rehearsing all morning. I decided it was too slow. <laughs> you... Excuse me. <laughs> what can I say? He's got a stick in his hand. <laughs> he decided. I must tell you a wonderful story, Bob. You, you just reminded me of it. A fellow walked into a doctor's office and he was quivering and shivering and shaking all over and talking something like this, you see. And the doctor said, my man, this is horrible. What could cause such a thing? And the fellow said, I don't know, doc. Maybe it's my job, you see. I got a job sorting oranges. The doctor said, you sort oranges? Tell me about it. The fellow said, why you see, doc? It's like the oranges come down a ramp, you see. And I take the big oranges and I put them in that box. And I take the little ones and I put them in that box. And the conventional size I put in the basket for shipping. And the rotten ones I throw in the can. All day long it's decisions, decisions, decisions. <laughs> One like that and I know where I can get you a job, kid. Back to money. You know, they say... They say that only the rich are blue-blooded. And that's not... A poor man can be blue-blooded, too. 
before she said that to do it. But I've done it. And so you see. Now, you're not listening. I said, and so you see. That's why I always say, what do you always say? With two hands. This is what I always say. That with a million dollars, you're a millionaire. But a poor man do without a sound. Thank you, Danny Thomas. You know, one good song deserves another, so would Al Jolson. Well, how about it? Don, at this point, there's only one song I could possibly sing. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, o'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. But before we dash to pour throughout the nation, let the network that we use identify each station. Jingle bells, jingle bells, I'm singing on one knee. We'll be back again on NBC. The National Broadcasting The Elgin Watts Company's seventh annual two-hour Christmas Day greeting to the nation continues with Don Amici, Lawrence Melchior, Al Jolson, Jack Kirkwood, Joe Stafford, Danny Thomas, Red Ingle, Edgar McCarthy and Mortimer Stern, Sandra Bakova, Cass Daly, Ozzy and Harriet, for the Elgin Orchestra and Chorus under the direction of Robert Ambrose. The feature of the program, the Elgin Watts Company is proud to present for the first time on the air, Henry Van Dyke's magnificent Christmas story, The Other Wise Man. Now here again is your host, Don Amici. As we near the end of 1948, we can look back on a year that saw many changes. But with it all, one thing always remains the same, the celebration of Christmas. And every street and store, every church and home has its little bit of bread. The Elgin Watch Company and the Elgin Jewelers are happy to have with us on Two Hours of Stars, the distinguished violin virtuoso, Red Ingle. Red, Red, that's quite an outfit you're featuring this afternoon. Who designed it, the California Bank? No, it's called uh, an overstuffed dress suit. I had it cut down from an old Morris chair. This is the smock I wear at Ciro's. Ciro's? Red, what's the flag gears doing in a place like Ciro's? Slumming, Don, just slumming. Oh. And please don't call my orchestra the Natural Seven. How do you happen to call them the Natural Seven? One of them in a crap game. <laughs> you know that pretty use? Yeah. Yeah, that's a fine group for a girl like Joe's stuff with. Oh, I love them. Well, Joe, I suppose you really should. After all, it was the combination of you and Red Engel that was responsible for that wonderful takeoff on Temptation you recorded. Yeah, Don, with Joe and Red reunited here on Two Hours of Stars, I'd like to hear it again. Ken, without even questioning your motive, I'll buy that. Well, just give us time to slip into our Levi's and sunbonnet, Don, and off we'll go. Rosin on the bow, and here we go. <laughs> 
little darling, why you look so good tonight? Face white around your eyeballs and not a bag in sight. Well, ever that's the way it came. My eyes was a glow the minute I knowed the nails in. It ticked, alluring me on. My heart is plumb gone. It was a nails in. My face was smiling at his smart styling. And then I started to sing that door power mainsprings rust proof. Yes, freak more rust. I never would bust with them repair bills. And it were mine. Here's my wrist. Strap room tight. Yes, strap room tight. And I won't even take that Elgin off at night. It's made me a slave. Just a dad burned slave. And I'm gonna wear it. Cause it's an Elgin. And I'm a red hot flame. Faster today at the thrilling sight of a Christmas Elgin. And these are the most thrilling in all the many generations of Elgin Christmases. Thrilling to see? Oh, yes, indeed. But that Dura Power mainspring beneath their beauty makes history. Never before in any watch has there been such an assurance of continued time keeping accuracy. For Elgin's Dura Power mainspring actually eliminates 99% of all repairs due to steel mainspring failures. If someone you love missed getting a beautiful star-timed Elgin for Christmas, remember their birthdays, anniversaries, and graduate... Something from your jeweler is always something special for these occasions. Make your loved one extra happy with a Lord or Lady Elgin or Elgin Deluxe Watch. An Elgin with a Durapower symbol on the dial. <laughs> There's a rumor going around radio, and it's pretty authentic. Following their broadcast tomorrow afternoon, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy will be taking a short vacation from radio. I don't know whose idea it was. I'm sure Charlie didn't talk Edgar into it. But in any case, the Elgin Watch Company knew Christmas wouldn't be... So here they are, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Well done. Here we are to celebrate another Christmas... Yeah, Merry Christmas, Don. Yeah, the same to you, Charlie. Uh, tell me, old man with the big round stomach, good to you? Oh, you mean Bergen? No, I mean Santa Claus. Oh, I had a wonderful Christmas. Bergen gave me a horse. Oh, was that your horse yeah. that I saw tied outside the studio? Yeah, yeah, that's not. I'd feel safer if he was inside, though. Well, now, why do you want the horse inside? Well, some other network might offer him more oats. Yeah. Uh, uh, Charlie, what kind of a horse is it? Uh, couldn't tell with a blanket on it. Is it a race horse, a high school no. horse, a polo pony? No, no, it's it's just a horse. Well, what does he look like? Well, he's, uh, I don't know, he's kind of horse-shaped. Uh, oh, he is, huh? Outdoor type of horse. Uh, how old is your horse? He's got a, I don't know, I don't know him that personal. Well, you can tell the age of a horse by looking at his teeth. What teeth? <laughs> All he wants for Christmas is his two front teeth. Oh, he might be a jumper. Have you tried him out on the hurdles? Yeah, I had him out before lunch today, and we long and we came to a fence. And did the horse go over? Uh, no, but I did. Oh, I didn't know I could go so far. All right. Charlie, I, I don't think that's very nice to talk this way about a horse and the one that I gave you. Remember, Charlie, I gave you that horse on condition. Yeah. You can keep him just so long, out of mischief, and tell no lies. Oh, in other words, the horse is only visit. That was nasty. 
and gentlemen, in, in a show this size, there's bound to be jealousies. <laughs> and a leopard will, no matter whether his name is Tom, Dick, or Donanichi. All right. All right now, Charlie. You know, you know, Edgar, I'd, uh, I'd like to see this horse. All right, Don. He's not nearly he makes him out to be. I bet he is. He's a special type of a horse. Uh, where is he now? Ed? He's right outside, leaning against the wall. <laughs> Say, I'll go, Charlie. One lie, one deceit, and the horse goes. I'm glad to know something will make him go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, give me your word, Charlie, that you'll be a little gentleman. I give you my word, Bergen. Carthy gives you his word. Brother, look out. Yeah. So long, Dergy. So long. Give a man a horse he can ride. Oh, give a man a horse he can ride. <laughs> What's the matter, son? Can't you get that horse over the hurdle? Well, and pray tell, who might you be? Who, who might I be? Yeah. You don't know? I know your face. I don't know where to put it. Well, I'll give you a hint, son. Climb up on my knee, sonny boy. Yeah, don't tell me you're another ventriloquist. <laughs> Al Jolson. Of course I'm Al. Well, I should have known when I saw those knee pads. <laughs> Gee, pal, you know, it seems like every place I go, I see you. Well, there's only one Jolson. So I might as well snow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. You look so young and oh, it's just so good. Is it's or is it too late to expect a Christmas? Oh, Charlie, I've I, I've just been sitting around my little twenty-eight room, just wishing that you could be there to fill that terrible vacancy. In your heart? No, in the fireplace. <laughs> don't I start that stuff, you 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 burnt cork Sinatra, you I don't know. Now, come, come, Charlie. We should be ashamed like this on Christmas Day. Yeah. We should be happy. Well, I'm happy. Bergen gave me a horse. A horse? Yeah. Have you raced him yet? Yes, and I won by three lengths. <laughs> well, it's his fault. He's not in good form. He's suffering from an allergy. What's he allergic to? <laughs> Into a veterinarian? No, forget it. Take him to a taxidermist, Charlie. Wow. And by the way, wait a minute. Why don't you unload him? Unload him? Why, I couldn't palm off a nag on anybody. I promised Bergen I would do nothing dishonest or tell a lie. So you see, if you have some dishonest deal in mind, use to listen, Mr. Jolson. Then why are your ears standing at attention? Oh, excuse me. With money, you could make some quick money. Hmm. I will do nothing dishonest, sir. Do you hear me? Never, never anything dishonest. Hey. Well, now, don't be such a quitter. <laughs> What's this business proposition? Papers on the horse? Yeah, but so what? Well, we can valuable by changing his name. Now, now wait a minute, Al. That, uh, it's a bit, uh, shall we say... Well, yes. Well, what are we waiting for? Here's the papers. <laughs> well, tell you what we got to do. We've the horse's bloodline. Let's make him a relative of man of war. Let's call him son of war, huh? Yeah. The way he ran this morning, I think we ought to call him surrender. <laughs> Now, Al, what are we going to put down here where Tire and Dam? Well, let's see. Let's put down wristwatch. Yes, Call him wristwatch out of Huck. <laughs> now, I don't know whether I should go through with this, Al. I promised Bergen I wouldn't lie. But you'll have nothing to do with it, Charlie. I'll do all the talking. I'll deal, see? Well, that's mighty white of you, pal. And I'll get half the money. That's mighty black of you, stranger. 
All we need is a sucker. That's what I call service. <laughs> Ken, my friend, uh, are you interested in horse flesh? Uh, no, thanks. My icebox is pretty full right now. No. No, no. I mean, would you be interested in a racehorse? Well, I don't know. I'm not too lucky with horses. Last time I backed a horse, I lost $100. How come? I backed him into... Well, you just sign right here, Ken, and you'll own a horse for $200. Now, now, just a minute. What kind of a horse is it? What kind of a horse did you want to buy? I don't want to buy a horse. Well, then, why do you take up my time, Hagrid, huh? Just a minute, just a minute. What is this? What, what did I hear about a horse? Hagrid, me a racehorse. Well, it's not a racehorse, and Charlie has no right to sell it. And, Al, you should be ashamed of yourself doing such a thing to my little boy. It here. wasn't me. Charlie did it. Oh, Charlie did it. So to hide behind the skirts of a child. What is this? I came in with pants on. <laughs> but, Edgar, I, I try to help the boy. Sure, help him on the road to prison, yes. Yeah, you fagin' you. How can you stoop so low without singing Mammy? Yeah. <laughs> I've got to go over to the police, Al. No. Yes. Don't do that, Edgar. Little old Joe is all alone. It's Christmas, and nobody's around to love me but my poor little gray-haired Mammy. Ah, turn off that hydrant. Get off your knees, Al. Listen, you sapling. Uh, One more word out of you, and I'll use you for a pool cue. Let's wish of ourselves. Why, this is Christmas Day, and we're arguing. Sorry, Al, what I said. Uh, please forgive me, will you? Sure, I'll forgive you, Edgar. And will you forgive me? Sure, Al. You boys want some mistletoe? No. <laughs> and I want to be friends with you too, Charlie, my little pal. Well, thank you. We're one of those horse deals, are we? Never. No. From now on, any business deals we're involved will be honest, yeah, ethical, definitely. straightforward, sure. and everything that is synonymous with enterprise. Oh, yeah, all right. Stop gushing, will you? You're right, Charlie. Yeah. You're right. But speaking of gushing, yeah. how would you like to get in on an oil well deal with me, hmm? Is there oil in the well? No. Well, we can haul some in and, and That's uh... enough. Let me out of this. Let me out. Elgin thanks you, Edgar Bergen and Al Jolson. You know, it's only natural that at this time of the year, the air songs dedicated to the depiction of frost on the window and snow on the ground. Joe Stafford manages to take them all in her stride. It calls for quite out here, doesn't it, Joe? Oh, not necessarily, Don. After all, it's not so much what's on the ground at Christmas as what kind of spirit's in the air. Ah, it's a lovely thought, Joe. And one which surely accounts for the perennial popularity of White Christmas. Christmas with them. 
first climbed the black sky to shine in the east. The nativity, a song and story written in the glow of faith. On this day of deep religious significance, Two Hours of Stars is proud and privileged to present for the first time on the air, by special arrangement with Harper's and Brothers Publishers, a literary classic beloved of the world with a message of the Prince of Peace has lighted men's hearts. The Story of the Other Wise Man by Henry Van Dyke. You know of the three wise men of the east and how they traveled afar to offer their gifts at the manger cradle of Bethlehem. But this is the story of a fourth pilgrim who also saw the star in its rising and set out to follow it. Of how his quest was denied, yet accomplished in the denial. In the days when Augustus Caesar was master of many Jerusalem, there lived in the city of Ecbatana, among the mountains of Persia, a certain man named... High above the trees, a dim glow through the curtain arches of the upper chamber, where he held counsel with his friends. And my brethren, you know that the high the study of the stars, the heavenly signs, and them all ours. But our knowledge is incomplete. Naturally, it's folly for men to try to read the stars. We tell men and look for a new sunrise of peace. We ourselves believe that the people are balanced. The darkness is as strong as the light. That does not satisfy him if there is no fulfillment. There is to be no victory. Our own teach us better things. See, that a great light shall rise on the world and conquer darkness. It has been written that new light and new truth will come through the old symbols. From the sacred books that are held in high honor by our kings and our Persian people, there has come such a light. A prophecy that there shall come a star out of Jacob and eyes out of Israel. Impossible. The sons of Jacob are in bondage. The tribes of Israel are scattered among the mountains like lost sheep. The rest are in Judea under the... Three wise men from the Magi, ancient tablets of Chaldea, and computed the time. It is our belief that the star will shine tonight. This is only a legend. My three friends are watching now at the temple of Borsippa. I am watching here. If the new star appears again, they will wait ten days for us to join them. Then our caravan will cross the desert to Bethlehem to greet and worship the promised one who shall be born king of Israel. You say us an hour too much, my brother. Well, surely you will accompany me to the shrine of our newborn king? Artaban, this is a vain dream. king will ever rise from the broken ruins of Israel, and no end will ever come to the eternal strife of light and darkness. He who looks for it is a chaser of shadows. And you, Rodaspis, will you come with me? Artaban, I have no knowledge of these things. Such a quest is not for me. My office binds me here. Marcena. I am ill, Artaban, unfit for the hardships of such a journey. But I have a servant I will send with you to bring me word how you fare. No. No, then I shall travel alone. I've sold my house and my possessions and purchased these gifts to carry to the king. Gifts? My son. These three royal jewels... A sapphire blue as a fragment of the night sky. A ruby redder than a ray of sunrise. A pearl pure as the peak of a snow mountain at twilight. 
They are indeed, Jura King. Artaban, my son, if your star is a true sign, it will lead you to a new light. If it be only a shadow, you will have a long pilgrimage and an empty search. Yet, it is better to follow even the shadow of the best than to have your soul remain in discontent. But my heart goes with you on your pilgrimage. Go in peace. One by one, the house in Artaban was left in solitude. He crossed the terrace of the roof and lifted his face to the sky. And as he watched, behold, an azure spark was born out of the darkness, rounding itself up to a crimson sphere and spiring upward into a point of white radiance. Tiny and infinitely remote, yet perfect in every part, it pulsated in the enormous vault as if the three jewels in the Magian's breast had mingled and been transformed into a living heart of light. Artaban bowed his head. Covering his brow with his hands, he said, It is the sign. The king is coming. And I will go to meet him. Long begun to mount the heavens, the other wise man was riding swiftly along the brown slopes of Mount Orontes, across the plain and through the swirling floods of the Tigris. Swift hooves beat their spirited music, eager to conquer space journey. It was day, it was night, it was day again, and on and on. It was still a three-hour journey to the temple of Borsippa, where he was to join the three wise men at midnight, when... Suddenly, his horse faltered. Then, ears alert, head low, quivering in every muscle, she stopped. Before them, half hidden in the shadow of a palm tree, lay a man. The pallid skin, dry and yellowed as parchment, bore the mark of a deadly fever. Only fell closed convulsively on the Magian's flowing robes, holding him fast. Artaban's heart leaped to his throat, not with fear, but with a dumb resentment at the importunity of this blind delay. What claim had this unknown fragment of human life upon his compassion? If he lingered but for an hour, he could hardly reach the Temple of Borsippa at the appointed time. The three wise men would surely risk the great reward for the sake of a single deed of human love. For a moment. Then, his heart filled with compassion, he dismounted. For hours, he sat by the sick man, bringing him water from the pool nearby, moistening his fevered brow, administering the potent medicine he carried, until at last the man's strength returned. Who, who art thou? Why hast thou sought to bring back my life? I am Artaban, a Magian. Jerusalem in search of one who is to be born king of the Jews. I found you thus, and I could not leave you. But thou, thou art a Magian. Thou could not help but know that I am a Jew, an exile. It is of no importance. I was journeying to Babylon to redeem my debts and regain my freedom when I fell in with thieves. They stripped me of all my goods and left me to die. Oh, why did thou save me? I'm better off. You're still young. You 
You must not despair. But I'm penniless. I have nothing. I'm cast into prison. You must not despair. Take the sapphire. The sapphire. Blue as a fragment of the night sky. It is yours. Use it to rebuild your life and regain your faith in God. Anasim. I'll deliver thee in safety. Thou hast pity on the sick. Taban on the Magi, but his errand of mercy had delayed him before. The three wise men had gone on across the desert. Returning to Babylon and purchasing a camel, he on alone across the dreary waste through the valley of the Jordan, beside the blue waters of the Lake of Galilee, and into the highland, until at last in Bethlehem. And it is after the three wise men had come to that place and had found Mary and Joseph with the young child, Jesus, and had laid their gifts of gold and frankfur at his feet and returned home. The streets of the village were deserted. He paused in front of a low stone cottage whence came the voice of a woman singing softly to a child. Are you? Be not afraid. I only wish to ask you if you have seen three men dressed in the clothes of the Magi who came here some days ago. Yes, there came three travelers nearly a week past. They said they followed a star. They are the ones. Where is the place they sought? The star led them to a manger where Joseph of Nazareth's wife and a young child lay. The travelers made offerings of gold and sweet spices to the child who went their way. Do you know where the Holy Family went, sister? No, I'm sorry. But it is said that Joseph and Mary fled secretly by night. Why did they leave? There is an evil rumor that King Herod is sending his soldiers here to oppress the village for more taxes or to work some dreadful cruelty. That is why the streets are empty. I see. The men have driven their flocks back to the hills for hiding, and women with children dare not venture out. I'm in terror of my own... Your own boy might have been the promised prince. Ah, then the one whom I seek is gone before me. My way lies now into Egypt. What? What is that up the street, that noise? The soldiers. The soldiers of Herod. They're killing the children as they go. Quick. I will see that no harm comes to you. My baby. My baby. God protect my baby. I stand aside there. You're blocking the doorway. Would you strike down a Magian, sir? I have no quarrel with you, but my orders are to kill every man child under two years. King Herod himself has commanded. Now stand aside. There is only a woman in the house, sir. And I... I have been waiting for you. Waiting for me? I have a gift for the prudent captain who will leave us in peace. Well, I, I see, don't... See how it shines. This blood-red ruby. A ruby. Redder than a ray of sunrise. I'd pass on, man. There's no child here. The house is empty. What? You've saved my babies. Couldn't you? Two of my jewels are gone. I have spent for man what I set apart for God. Shall I ever now be worthy to look upon the face of the king? 
Because thou hast saved the life of my life, may the Lord bless you, make his face to shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. Lift up the light of his countenance upon you, and be Now the long years fell into step beside Artaban as he continued his endless search, finding here and there traces of the family that had fled from Bethlehem, traces that vanished before him as footprints on the hard sand that glistened for a moment and then disappeared. And in this populous and anguish, though he found none to worship, he found many to help. He fed the hungry, he clothed the naked, and his years went by more swiftly than the weaver's shuttle. And still within his bosom he carried the pearl, the last of his precious jewels. Now at last, worn and weary and ready to die, he had come for the last time to Jerusalem. It was a season of the Passover. The city was thronged with strangers. The sky was veiled gloom. And currents of excitement and agitation seemed to flash through the crowd like the thrill which shakes the forest on the eve of a storm. The tide was sweeping them all one way. The clatter of sandals and the soft, thick murmur of thousands of bare feet shuffling over the stones flowed unceased and led to the Damascus Gate. Please, please, will someone stop for a moment? Friend, tell me, why are all these people here? Where are they going? Oh, sir, outside the city walls. There's to be an execution. Have you not heard? No, I have not. Well, they are crucifying two thieves, and with them another called Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus? Of Nazareth? Yes. The priests and the elders have condemned him to die. He made himself out to be the son of God. <laughs> he said he was the king of the Jews. Son of... The king of... Son... On a cross. My pearl. Save me, sir. Save me for the sake of the God of purity. What is it, daughter? Come along there. We have no time to Take your hands from that girl. Seize for the death of her father. To be sold into slavery. It is true. But I am a daughter of the faith and I have not sinned. Shall the sins of my father be visited unto me? I pray you, save me from this. Come on, girl. On your feet. No. No, take your hands from her. We'll redeem the girl from bondage. We'll re- it is yours for her release. A pearl. A pearl. Pure as the peak of a snow melt. Why, this is a king's ransom. Take it and go. The girl is... How can I thank you, sir? Or is it that you want me for a slave? No, my daughter, you are free. Go your way in peace. Sardabon spoke the darkness of the sky, thickened, shuddering tremors ran through the earth, heaving convulsively as though strength. The walls of the houses rocked to and fro. Stones were loosened and crashed into clouds of the air. The people fled in terror. Three tiles shaken from the roof of the temple fell and struck the old man, hurling him to the ground. Artaban lay breathless and pale, with his head resting on the young girl's shoulder. As she bent over him, there came a voice through the twilight, very soft and still, 
click sounding from a distance in which the notes are clear, but the words are lost. The girl turned to see if someone had spoken from the window about them, but she saw no one. The lips of Artaban began to move, and she heard him say, I have parted with the last hope of ever finding him. My quest is over, and it has failed. I shall not see the revelation of life. But even if I could live my earthly life, it could not be otherwise than it has been. Hungry, I fed. To those who thirsted, I gave drink. When I saw strangers, I took them in. When I saw the naked, I clothed them. Three and thirty years have I looked for thee. But I shall never see thy face. Nor minister to thee, my king. unto thee, inasmuch as thou hast done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, thou hast done it unto me. The calm radiance of wonder and joy lighted the pale face of Ottoman. His journey was ended. His trace entered. The other wise man had found the king. Company, the Elgin Jewelers, 7th Annual 2-Hour Christmas Day Greeting to America, our hospitalized veterans and servicemen overseas around the world continues with Don Amici, Edgar Bergen and Mortimer Snurd, Sondra Bekova, Cass Daly, Danny Thomas, Al Jolson, Jack Kirkwood, Lawrence Melchior, Ozzie and Harriet, Red Ingle, and the Elgin Orchestra and Chorus. And here again is your host for these two hours of stars, Don Amici. people say, as they so often do, too bad the Christmas season is over so soon. It's too bad the spirit dies with the setting sun. I like to think of Angelo Patri's answer. There is no end to Christmas. For there is loving kindness, goodwill toward men, beauty and triumph hidden in the quiet light where, behind the set faces, beneath the still surfaces of so many ordinary seeming folk, Mothers and fathers, doctors and clergymen, laborers and teachers. There is the fire of sacrifice. There is love, devotion to duty, and a vision of beauty that keeps Christmas all year round. Christmas is a time for song. 
A wonderful day when music fills the air. The Elgin Watch Company is very happy to be able to present a young lady whose voice seems to impart so much of that warmth and friendly good cheer we associate with the Yuletide. Miss Joe Stafford. In the still of the night As I gaze from my window At the moon and its flight My thoughts all straight to you In the still of the night While the world is in slumber Oh, the top number, darling When I say to you so much to all of us. The Elgin Watch Company and the Elgin Jewelers are happy to have with us again on our Christmas Day two hours of stars, Edgar Bergen, especially when he's accompanied by Mortimer. Well, well, well. I'm dreaming of the white Easter. No, no, no. Mortimer, this is Christmas. How did you get mixed up with Easter? I guess I forgot to line the calendar. <laughs> yeah. Might have you should know that on this day of the year, we always work for Elgin. Hmm? Elgin. Oh, yeah. Elgin and Sanborn? No, 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 no. No, the Elgin uh, watch people. What do they watch people for? No. <laughs> no, you don't understand. Elgin is the first name in... Oh, what's the last name? <laughs> The last name of what? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't start this thing. Uh, Elgin is a timepiece. Oh, it's time of peace. I didn't know nobody said anything about that. You understand? Hmm? What is it that goes tick, 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 tick? My head. No. It's a chronometer. Oh, them. Yes. Do you know what that is? Oh, sure. Uh, you, uh, uh, that's uh, when you, uh, yeah. uh, What was the question? What is a chronometer? Oh, oh, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, I don't know. Oh no. Well, I better explain about watches from the beginning. That's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. 
Watches are made by people called watchmakers. That's a good name for them. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing fancy, but it sort of puts across the point. Yes, I <laughs> yeah. Do you know what makes one watch better than another one? I suppose it can run faster. No. <laughs> no, it depends on quality. And Elgin combines fine workmanship and exquisite design. You see, its rust-proof miracle DuraPower mainspring mm, ensures a permanent timekeep <laughs> for possible in any watch. And because the DuraPower mainspring is rust-proof, it eliminates 99% of repairs due to steel mainspring failures. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the way it goes. Hello, uh, Mortimer. Hello, Mr. Carpenter. Hello, Mortimer. I have a Christmas present for you. I'll take it. Uh, I was going to give you cash, but then I thought how much nicer it would be to use the money to buy you one of those beautiful Elbergen was talking about. Oh, gee whiz, you shouldn't have given me one. If, if you can tell me what time it is. Well, that kills it right there. <laughs> no, no, it's very simple. Now, now look at this watch. Well, uh, where are the hands? Well, there's one of them big hands is at the twelve, and the little one is at the three. That's fine, Mortimer. Wasn't that good? Yes, yes. And now, what time is it? Well, the three uh, is uh, fourteen o'clock. <laughs> No, no, three is fifty. It is? Yes. I guess you watch you slow. No, no. <laughs> no, it is not slow. When you see the letters DP, the mm. symbol that means Durapon, it's a synonym for an accurate watch. Well, it's kind of silly putting synonym on a pretty watch like that. Or cinnamon. Cinnamon. Uh, uh, cinnamon. <laughs> I loused up my own joke. <laughs> I guess I'll hear about that. Yes. Mortimer, you've embarrassed me. Well, I'm ashamed of myself. Yes. Yes. You mean you've never learned to tell time? Well, I used to, but I gave it up. Why? Well, because it took me so much time to tell time that uh, by that time, uh, well, it was some other time. Uh, That's enough. Uh... One of the stars we'd planned to have with us on Two Hours of Stars won't be here today. His name is Bob Hope. Bob was called by General Lucius Clay and the United States Army to spend in Germany entertaining the enlisted men and officers in the Berlin airlift. The Elgin Watch Company was happy to do its part to help make that wonderful visit possible. Particularly because our own program, Two Hours of Stars, was originally conceived for a similar purpose, to bring a little bit of home to our boys and girls in the service during the war years. It was during that time, just four years ago today, to be exact... The violinist 11 years unity to make her radio debut on Two Hours of Stars. It was our good fortune as well as hers, for she received a tremendous ovation. An ovation typical of the reception that has been accorded her in appearances in Carnegie Hall with Leopold Skopsky at the Hollywood Bowl and halls throughout the country. We're very happy to have back with us this day Sandra Bekova playing the exciting Wignowski Concerto. Sandra Bekova. Thank <laughs> you. 
that was superb Sandra Vakova. What about Christmas joys can be shared by everyone. Whether you live in Maine or California, at the crack of dawn in homes all over the country this morning, children were ripping away wrappings and scattering dolls and skates and trains all over the living room floor and proud fathers and mothers in bathrobes and nightgowns. Their eyes, still filled with sleep, were walking in and... Doggone, slip on those rocks. Merry Christmas, Cass. The Elgin show wouldn't be complete without your presence. <laughs> presents? How do you like that? I just got here and he's looking for presents. John Z, boy, I'm your Christmas present. Hey, look at me now. Aren't I a nice little bitch? Yeah, you certainly are, Cass. You just need a little rewrapping. <laughs> and seeing this is Christmas, Don, I hope you noticed I'm uh, even wearing a little mistletoe in my hair, which means I'm... Ready to pucker up any time you are. <laughs> well, I'm ready, Cass. Pucker up. Oh, you mean it, Dante? Yes, I do. Well, now what do I do? Whistle jingle bell. <laughs> ah, but that's as good full of the old Christmas cheer. Oh, well, you know these Christmas Day open houses, Don. <laughs> the candles aren't the only thing. <laughs> I suppose you have I suppose you have another big, beautiful tree at your place, the way you always do. Oh, no, Don. After getting a load of the prices, well, we went out and got back the one we threw away last year. But how could you decorate such an old Christmas tree? Oh, it wasn't easy gluing all those needles back on. <laughs> no, sir, but my uncle did wonders with it. I left a bowl of Lux Flakes in the kitchen, and he decorated the tree with... Fine, fine. Except he forgot to take my undies out first. <laughs> I didn't mind, Don. I got some new ones for Christmas. Where can Oh, yeah. Just doodles, silk pajamas, lingerie, a slip, a nightie, a girdle, a mixmaster. <laughs> Gee, I sure look good in that mixmaster. <laughs> but you know something, Don? The most wonderful was my new little baby. Yes, yes, Cass, congratulations. I heard about it. And born so close to the holidays, too. Yeah. Well, I guess it runs in the family, Don. You see, I, uh, I was born on New Year's Day. On New Year's Day? Yeah. For three years, my old man thought I was a hangover. <laughs> That's what he did. Well, Cass, you certainly have a lot to be proud of. Your wonderful home, your husband, and now your baby. I'm sure every woman listening in would like to hear the story of how it all happened. Oh, do you think so? I oh, do. well, Don, it's just that a girl's got to watch and hope until the right man comes along. Uh-huh. Yeah, and for years I was watching and hoping and hoping and watching and watching and hoping and hoping and watching. Boy, I was in a rut. <laughs> Don, you want to hear the story of my romance, so pull the bar down. Because this is my story. <laughs> Romance, the true life story that asks the question, can a girl from a small salmon canning town find happiness after falling into the canning machine and getting... Unlike most girls, every man in my life was a dream man. Of course, I had some pretty wild dreams. The first was Kenneth Twohart, figure of a man. A figure eight. And romantic, oh gosh... I remember we were pulling taffy in the kitchen one night when suddenly the lights... 
Overcome with passion, Kenneth grasped me in his arms and whispered, Sit there and muse. I shall run for a fuse. I waited for Kenneth Tuhart for six months, holding that lump of taffy. Every time I looked at the vacuum cleaner bag, I thought of him. And then one day as I was browsing about the farmer's market, it was the year I was in a market for a farmer, I saw Danny Thomas. I knew he'd noticed me, for as I walked past, I overheard him say, Oh, you lovely, you lovely thing. Your eyes, your lips, your nose. Beautiful. Gee, do you really think so? Disturb me when I'm looking in the mirror. <laughs> Overcome with admiration, I said, You know, uh, I heard you sing in the motion picture, The Big City. Oh, yes, yes. I, I was the voice of The Big City. <laughs> Well, shake, pal. I'm the neck of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Had I known I was going to meet you today, I would have dressed differently. Oh, really? What would you have worn? A blindfold. <laughs> of course, uh, you do have your charms. You're young, fascinating, intelligent, beautiful. Oh, go on, go on. You can tell me like this thing forever. Yeah, that's what you think. Someday this show may be televised. <laughs> Child, go home, go home. Wait a few years longer. Again, after someone has told you about the birds and the bees. Well, they told me already, and it's lies. Nothing but lies. What makes you so sure? I put a bird in a birdcage. I mean, I put a bee in a birdcage. <laughs> Besides the wrong word in your script, someone put a bat in your belt. <laughs> like I bailed you out, kid. <laughs> I like it the other way. <laughs> I tell you, Danny boy, uh, if you spur me now, I promise you, I promise you I'll jump off a bridge. Promises. Nothing but promises. <laughs> and stop crawling up my herringbone. Your claws are scratching off the herring. But, Danny, I want to run my fingers through your hair. Well, you'll muss my cold wave. Well, can I kiss your cheek? Oh, you'll mess my talcum. Oh, can I stroke your eyebrows? You'll smear my eyebrow pencil. Boy, I'm going to look awful funny hanging from your nose. <laughs> Nevertheless, I hung there for days. <laughs> it was while hanging there that I met Jack. Jack Kirkwood. I knew the moment I saw him that he was a leader among men. The type that was always out in front. I also knew that Jack was really interested in me when he took me in his arms and whispered... How come you're not wrestling tonight, honey? Me? Well, why, why should I be wrestling? You mean you're not gorgeous, George? <laughs> Go on, Jack. I'll bet you tell that to all the girls. Girls, honey? <laughs> why, you're still a child. <laughs> well... I was actually 30 at the time, but my bow legs kept me close to the ground. You know, I saw a lot of Jack after that. It was practically impossible to see all of them. Yes, I told him my ambitions in the theater, and he would say to me... You'll make it someday, honey. Look at me. I was determined to fight my way up from the bottom. And now, 30 years later, I'm on the Bob Hope program. 
Still fighting, huh? Well, Jack, I'm a scrapper, too, so why don't we get together and fight life's battles side by side? No, I, I might as well tell you, honey, I'm not the man I used to be. In the old days, I was spry. <laughs> now he's more like Crisco. <laughs> oh, well, but I knew he really loved me the day he looked deep in my eyes and said... You've been working too hard, honey. From now on, you're going to stand around all day in a bathing suit. Jack, you mean you're going to get me a wedding ring and a swimming pool? No, I'm going to get you a job at the car wash. <laughs> In a flash, I knew I had been betrayed. I was ready to kill him. When suddenly the door was flung open and I heard... It is I, Kenneth Trueheart. I have your fuse. <laughs> what took you so long? Nobody told him to hurry. <laughs> you got here just in time, boy. I was ready to make soup out of this bag of bones, the same way I did with my last honey. But that is impossible. How could you make soup out of your last honey? I put my honey in the pot, boy. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I have never forgotten. Cause... Now here's a story with a moral. And all you gals better pay some mind. Cause if you find a man worth keeping, be satisfied. Make sure to treat him kind. Because a good man is hard to find. You'll always get the other kind. Just when you think that he's your pal, you turn around and find him messing around some other gal. And then you rave. You even crave to see him land right in his grave. So man is nice. Take my hug him in the morning. Kiss him every night. Give him plenty of loving. Feed him right because a good man is hard to find. You know, girls, once I had a man of my own. And since he's gone, I really miss him. You know, most girls have to kiss a man to hold him. But me, <laughs> I have to hold him to kiss him. He wasn't much of a liquor culture and he had a funny pan. As a matter of fact, he wasn't much of anything, but at least he was the man. And when he comes back to my little grass shed, and I hug him in the morning, kiss him every night, give him plenty of love, treat the boy right, because a good man, how this is hard to find. Say, listen, they say that opportunity knocks only but once. And when that once is, it's gone forever. So, girls, if you get a man that's just one butt, keep a smile on your face and keep your big face shut. Hooray! I've learned my lesson now, and everything's fine. And when he comes back, I'll never, never step out of line. Cause I know what to do when the death through. Got a cow of sugar. And maybe someday we'll have a little Elgin to pass the time away. Cause a good man, now this is hard. Just wonderful. But tell me, with all the men in your life, how did it happen you never ran into Al Jolson? Well, I guess he wasn't running the same time I was, Don. 
Well, I tell you what, Cassie. You can be my girl right now. You mean the girl the bells are ringing for, Al? No, Don. Having the bell ring for me and my gal is old-fashioned. Brand new thing now. What's this? Well, uh, come on, Cassie. We'll tell Don about it. Mr. Armbruster, the downbeat, please. An Elgin's ticking for me and my gal. Elgin Cassidy's free in style. No one will notice my lovely smile. It's the watch we're picking. Yes, me and my gal. Take the word of this gruesome twosome when picking gifts. Be sure to choose some. Everybody's been knowing. To a jolo we're going. And the friends will be growing. Every Susie and Sal. Put it there, Pat. Power mainspring. A roof to do, to do. That never will rust. Makes Elgin timing. The time you can trust. In the West, out on the maces, they are what Elgin's just like aces. Yes, sometime I'm gonna buy another watch or two, or three or four or more. Four or more? Who is this, Crosby? It's Elgin for me and my gal. For the benefit of those who are busy picking up broken Christmas balls, the name of this watch is Elgin. It's Elgin for me and my gal. Elgin's are more desired than any other watch. America's best-dressed men and women acclaim their beauty and smart styling. And in no other watch in the world can you get that great watchmaking achievement, the DuraPower Mainspring. It eliminates the watch repairs due to steel mainspring failures. You or the one you love are sure to be happier, far happier, with an Elgin. So see your jeweler. See the beautiful Lord and Lady Elgin's and Elgin Deluxe models. Make those gift occasions truly memorable with an Elgin watch. One of the colorful arias in Richard Wagner's opera, The Flying Dutchman, is the Steersman's Song. It is a particular favorite of the distinguished heroic tenor of the Metropolitan Opera who is with us today. The Watch Company is proud to present Laureate's Melchior and the Steersman's Song. <laughs> Storm of the Meer, I may be in love. Über Turm of God, on Sieden her, I may be in love. I may be in love, in love, in love, in love, in love, in love, Oh, 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 oh,
Greeting for the nation continues in just a moment. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Two hours of stars, the Elton Watch Company and the Elton Jewelers, seventh annual two-hour Christmas Day. Greeting for the nation continues with Don Amici, Al Jolson, Ozzie and Harriet, Sandra Bakova, Red Ingle, the Elton Orchestra and Chorus, section of Robert Armbruster. Again, your host for the two hours, Don Amici. Once again, may I say Merry Christmas to all of you who have just joined us, and it almost goes without saying a very happy new year. Comes from the insurance company in a few days. We'll be getting that annual gift from old Father Time. The gift of a new year. 365 clean, bright, unsullied new days full of hope and promise. It's the greatest gift any of us could ask for. The chance to wring out the cares and the mistakes of the old year and start anew with a larger heart, a kindlier hand and renewed faith in the future and our ambitions. To many of us, what the future holds in store depends on a loved one. The Elgin Watch Company is proud to present Al Jolson expressing that sentiment as he sings one of his greatest successes. It all depends in <laughs> I could be happy... I could be sad, I could be good, I could be bad, it all depends on you. I could be lonely, out in a crowd, I could be humble, I could be proud, it all depends. On you. I could save money, or 
go right on living. Far and it, you're to blame, honey, for what I do. I could be king, I could be almost any old king, it all depends on you, I can save money. I could be king. I could be almost any old king. It all depends on you. who wrote, Let me live in my house by the side of the road and be a friend of man. One of the homes with which radio listeners at least are familiar is the house at 1847 Rogers Road. The Elgin Watch Company and the Elgin Jewelers are proud to welcome to Two Hours of Stars for the first time, Ozzie and Harriet. of opening the Christmas packages, I think the most exciting part of Christmas is trimming the tree. In fact, at the home of the Nelsons, they started early yesterday afternoon, so we find Ozzie and Harriet in their living room, surrounded by tinsel, light bulbs, candy canes, crinkly paper, silver stars, hammers, wrenches, screwdrivers, iodine, all the necessary equipment for trimming a Christmas tree. Harriet, where are the extra tree lights? One of the boxes on the floor. Uh, which box? The one marked tinsel, the one marked ornaments, or the one marked tree light? Oh, oh, here they are. Find them? Yes, marked tinsel. No? It's the same set. The set I bought at Peterson's Hardware Store. Fine merchandise they sell down there. Now, don't lose your temper, dear. Tomorrow's Christmas. Let's keep cheerful. I'm cheerful. It's just that when you buy a set of lights, you expect at least a reasonable amount of service. I'd think twice before I buy anything from Peterson's Hardware Store again. I would, too. They've been out of business since 1937. <laughs> Nothing wrong with this one. See, that's the trouble with a burned-out tree light. It's always so hard to find. You know what they need? What do they need? A bulb that lights up when it's burned out. <laughs> Try this yellow one. Which one is that? Right here behind this little... I've already tried it. Oh, which reminds me, dear. Did you get your Santa Claus costume yet? 
No, I didn't. I've been thinking it over, and I don't think I'll dress up this year. The boys are a little too old for that. Oh, I don't think so, dear. Well, David's 12 and Ricky's 8. If I walked in dressed like Santa Claus, they'd probably kick me in the pillow. Well, I think you're wrong, dear. I think they'd enjoy it. Enjoy it? Well, they laughed at me last year. Well, you shouldn't have tried to drink hot chocolate in that beard. I thought the hot chocolate on my beard was a clever touch. Gave me sort of a brownie look. Do what you want, but I think the boys are going to be awfully disappointed if Santa Claus doesn't show up in person tonight. Oh, Harry, that was all right when they were little kids, but they're big. Besides, I hate standing in that ridiculous get-up. Well, nobody sees you. Your little Willie Thornberry next door saw me. He ran out and began squirting me with his water pistol because I didn't bring him a bicycle. Well, all right, dear. If you aren't going to be Santa, I guess you aren't. Darn these lights. I've tried them all. Can't figure out why the string's not on. Did you try that red one? Eight times. Did you try that blue one? Over and over. Did you try that empty socket? Uh, Harriet, I think we found the bag. Hi, Oz. Oh, where are you going? Hello, Tony. Just door. So am I. I'll walk down with you. Boy, have I been having trouble with our tree lights. The center of one of the sockets was bent. I think I made a mistake, though, trying to straighten it with a nail file. You should have seen the sparks. Oh, that's what the are living room. I figured you fire or something. Well, they could have been. It blew the fuses. The meter... I could have blown all the fuses in the neighborhood. That's why I'm going down to the drugstore to get a box of fuses. What are you going down for, Thorny? A box of fuses. Thorny, did your fuses blow, too? Ah, oh, forget it. Christmas cheer to complain about anything. Say, before I forget it, did you get your cigars? Uh, no, I didn't, Thorny. I got mine yesterday. I, uh, sent the beard back to be cleaned. It had something like hot chocolate all over it. <laughs> Frankly, Thorny, I don't think I'll bother with it this year. It's such a nuisance getting all dressed up and everything. Oh, Oz, the kids will be terribly... Dis- Besides, you make such a wonderful Santa Claus. Oh, Thorny, I do not. You do so, Oz, and you know it. Remember what a big hit you were at the Christmas masquerade at the country club last year? Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd forget. <laughs> Remember the entrance I made, Thorny, when the party was at it down the stairway with a big pack on my back and I yelled, St. Nick, loaded with fewer your ills. That's not what you said. You slid down the banister and yelled, I'm good old St. Giftless, full of the old Nick and loaded to the gill. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Nelson. Remember me? Brother Higgins from the log? Oh, of course, Mr. Higgins. Come in. Oh. <laughs> uh, Brother Nelson around? No, he went down to the drugstore. Oh, nothing serious, I hope. I mean, he didn't go down there. Nor aspirin. No, no, he blew a fuse. Oh, how dreadful. Here in the house, that is. Oh. <laughs> well, I just stopped by to see if you'd like to have your name on our visiting Santa Claus list. What's that? Well... Committees at the lodge for each holiday. Now, the Cranberry Committee, they're in charge of Christmas activities. The Turkey Committee, they handle the Thanksgiving celebration. Oh, you were at the dance. Yes, we had a lovely time. It was nice, wasn't it? Quite a bit on that dance. And the Cabbage Committee, they're in charge of the money. <laughs> they reported a, a nice profit. Am I going too fast for you? No, no, no. I'm right with you. Turkey, cranberry. Yes. Well, we, the Cranberry Committee, have been used in spreading a little Christmas cheer among the members who have children. 
Uh, you have children, don't you? Yes, we do. Boys, am I right? That's right, David and Ricky. Well, you see, we have to know how many Tootsie Rolls to buy. So, tonight, sometime before 9 o'clock, it will be my pleasure to stop by in my Santa Claus costume. Oh, thank you very much. I'm sure you'll make a wonderful Santa Claus. Oh, don't thank me. Thank the Turkey Committee for donating their <laughs> stuffing. <laughs> I'll see you later. Bye now. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mary Santa Claus. Well, you're early. How about us for Santa? Well, Mr. Higgins, I'm surprised. Oh, uh, Harriet, it's me. Oh, Ozzy. Oh, how wonderful. I'm so glad you changed your mind. Well, don't forget now, this is the last time I dress up for anything. Oh, it was very thoughtful of you, dear. Okay, but it's just because it's Christmas. New Year's Eve, no more of that putting on the three corner at midnight. <laughs> kitchen, I'll call him. Uh, oh, wait a minute. There. You had your stomach under your arm. Look like you're going on an end run. Really? I, I thought it looked pretty good. Hey, Mom, Santa Claus is here. I know. Come on in and see him. He's out in the kitchen. He just came over the back. Oh, Santa Claus is in here. And then call him, Ozzy. Merry Christmas, boys. Merry Christmas. But here's Santa Claus, Mom. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry. Merry. Gee, two Santa Clauses. Father. Well, my assistant, uh, that is, uh, 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 how are you, son? <laughs> Merry Christmas. You're looking fine, Dad. Merry Christmas. I have some nice hot cocoa out in the kitchen. Yeah, come on out in the kitchen, Santa Claus. And you too, Santa Claus. Thorny, why did you have to come over? You're messing everything up. Well, I didn't know you were going to dress up, too. Boy, what an outfit you've got on. Pull down that pillow. You look more like Mrs. Santa Claus. <laughs> Christmas cookies while we're waiting. Hey, Mom, Mom! Ricky, what's the matter? Look, hurry up, you won't see him. He's going... Oh, that must be Mr. Higgins. He's coming around to Santa Claus, too. I'll get it. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. It's Brother Higgins. Oh, Brother, we got a surprise for you. <laughs> Merry... <laughs> Father... Grandfather. <laughs> Would anybody care for a Tootsie Roll? Isn't this wonderful, boys? Boy, we're going to get a lot of stuff this year. Well, come on, boys. It's way past your bedtime. Upstairs to bed now. But, gee, Mom, the Santa Clauses are just starting to get here. Well, I know, but they've got a lot of other places to visit tonight. Come on now, off you go. Okay. Good night, Santa Claus. Good night. Good night, Santa Claus. Good night. Good night, Santa Claus. Uh, good night. Good night, Santa Claus. Good night. Good night. Come good. on, boys. Come on upstairs. Santa Claus here. Santa Claus there. Here, Santa. There, Santa. Christmas Eve, huh, boy? Yeah. Just you only get to see one Santa Claus. We were lucky, boy. We saw four. No, we didn't. We only saw three. Pop, Mr. Thornberry, and Johnny Higgins' father. <laughs> what about the one I saw? The one that went up the chimney? You didn't see another Santa Claus. You just imagined it. I did not imagine it. I saw the real Santa Claus. That doesn't make any sense. Of all the kids all over the world, why should you be the one to see the real Santa Claus? I don't know. Just lucky, I guess. Besides, if you must know, you couldn't possibly see the real Santa Claus. I did so, I tell you. I saw him. 
Listen, Ricky, you're eight years old now. And it's about time you knew the truth. You didn't see the real Santa Claus. You couldn't possibly. Oh, no? Why not, wise guy? You may as well know. You couldn't possibly see the real Santa Claus, because Claus is at Macy's. Thousands two hours of stars is famous for its famous personality. Producing new stars. Today we have a surprise guest, Mr. Tiger, one of the most important personages in Claus's helpers. Uh, Mr. Tiger, suppose you tell the folks just exactly what you do. Just what my name says. I put tags, the priceless tags, on Christmas gifts. Price tags? I always thought price tags were never present. You misunderstood me, Mr. Carpenter. Oh? I didn't say price tags. I said I put the priceless tags on Christmas gifts. There's a big difference. Priceless tags, huh? Tell me, just what do you mean by priceless tags? Well, just look through this magic glass I have here, and you'll see what I mean. There, now. Take a good look. Say, it's just like looking in the window of a home. Who are those people, Mr. Tagger? Just people. No one you ever heard of, Mr. Carpenter. Poor folks, as you can see by the surroundings there. But look at that little girl cuddling that doll to her heart. Mm, not much of a doll, is it? No, not much when you think of the price tag. But my priceless tag is on it, Mr. Carpenter. Some folks call it the love tag. Because so much love went into its giving. I'm beginning to understand your job, Mr. Tagger. Good. Now I'll change the magic mirror. Look again. Why, well, see a woman looking at a watch. She holds it up, the miracle on its beautiful case. Oh, she's giving that man near the Christmas tree a great big hug and a kiss. Uh, say, Mr. Tagger, could that be an Elgin watch? What else, Mr. Carpenter? You can be sure my priceless tag is on every Elgin. There's always so much love and happiness wrapped up in an Elgin. Makes my job extra easy. Well, I'm sure of that, Mr. Tiger. Elgin watches have always had a priceless tag. Elgins hold a special place in people's hearts. They're tied closely to all sentimental gift occasions, not only Christmas, but anniversaries, birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, weddings, and graduations. And now, Mr. Tiger, every Elgin watch, including Lord and Lady Elgins and Elgin Deluxe, carries an extra tag of its own in addition to yours. The Bureau Power Mainspring that eliminates 99% of watch repairs due to steel mainspring. No other watch in the world has this great aid to permanent timekeeping accuracy. Well, goodbye, Mr. Tagger. Thanks for being with us. In the spirit of a child's Christmas, Lawrence Melchior and the Elgin Chorus sing the children's prayer from Hansel and Gretel. When at night I go to sleep, fourteen angels watch to me, to my head Oh, my 
Melchior, that was beautiful. This is Don Amici wishing you a very Merry Christmas on behalf of the Elgin Watch Company, the Elgin Jewelers, and all the stars who joined us here in Hollywood to celebrate this joyous day with you. May every day of the new year bring you the fullest measure of happiness and success. It's been wonderful being with you. For making it possible for the Elgin Watch Company, Elgin, Illinois, to bring you the seventh annual two-hour Christmas Day greeting, the Elgin Watch Company would like to add that Al Jolson appears to the courtesy of the Kraft Foods Company. Don Amici can be heard on the Charlie McCarthy program and is the star of Your Lucky Strike. Joined us with the approval of Standard Brands Incorporated, and Ozzie and Harriet appeared to the courtesy of International Silver Company and may be heard on their own program over the same network. Joe Stafford was with us through the courtesy of Chesterfield Supper Club, a program. The Angelo Patrick quotation originally appeared in Red Book Magazine. This is Ken Carpenter saying good night and Merry Christmas. <laughs>